It was a historic European night for Lask as they beat Basel to move one round closer to the group stages of the Champions League and there are some badly behaving managers in the Bundesliga as the Vienna sides get back to winning ways. Thanks for joining us here on The Other Bundesliga. My name's Tom Midler, and as usual, I'm joined in the studio by Simon Clark. Hello, Thomas. And Lee Wingate. Good evening. You're not going to call me Thomas as well? Mm, would you like me to? No, thanks. Okay. Uh, Tom's fine. Uh, lovely to be here with you again after what's been a great week for Austrian football. Oh, we've got lots to talk about today, haven't we? There's, there's some European action, there's league action, there's cup. The cup draws were made as well, and some transfer stuff happening before the deadline. There's everything. There's everything. So we've got everything in this episode of the other Bundesliga. But I think the safe place to start is with Lask. What a result for them. Lee, as we've already established off the microphone, you were awake for that game. Unlike Simon, I was awake (laughs) and watching that game. It was simply fantastic. What a wonderful performance. There were, the, there were some highs when they went into the lead, then some lows when it looked like Basel had got themselves back into the game and potentially the tie. But Lask had the, the resolve and the, the strength to see it through and uh, probably one of the best nights um, for Austrian club football that there's, there's been in recent memory. How did you fall asleep for that, Simon? Well, I was very tired. I had a long, a long work day, and then, uh, well, it was. It was uh, I realised when I woke up. Oh wait, it's the it's the Champions League, and I think I woke up for, for, for the last ten minutes. I mean, I woke up for, for the best part of the game because, uh, well, uh, obviously there's, there was the equaliser for for Basel, and then the uh, two late goals for Lask, and what a fantastic night! And our Twitter exploded as per usual when there's something massive happens in Austrian football, and yeah, it was a, it was a great night. It was a really, really great night. It truly was. I had no chance to fall asleep because the atmosphere in the Linzer Stadion was electric. And we went there last year for the Besiktas game, which was kind of a strange example of, uh, of European football in Linz because it probably had at least half uh, Besiktas fans there uh, for that game. It was obviously this time it was completely sold out. All Lask fans there, you know, a couple of thousand Basel fans in the corner making a bit of noise too. But uh, a truly electric night and, and what a great night it was in the end for Austrian football. I think, uh, without further ado, we should probably hand over to what some of the players thought after they'd come off the back of uh, an absolutely brilliant victory for Lask. Congratulations, two fantastic wins against Basel. What, what's made the difference out there over the two legs? Oh, I think uh, for us, we're an unbelievable team and we have an unbelievable character in the team and I think that, that made the difference for the last two games. And also, uh, we kept our team together from last year and that was really, really important. Uh, we have a new coach, but that uh, we, but we kept the team, and uh, I think that's kind of continued the momentum through to this season, and uh, hopefully it uh, continues on for longer. You say you kept the team, but a lot of people around Europe were looking at João Victor, of course, um, you know, top scorer last season. He was obviously a big absence, but it looks like the squad never needed him in the first place. Almost the way you've been playing, both in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League qualification. Uh, look, Schau was fantastic for us last year, um, but we also had quality on the bench, and now you see those boys step up. Samuel's doing a fantastic job. Freezy's doing a fantastic job. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, the, the the club's done well to to bring more players in and, and have players uh, ready, and uh, the boys have stepped up and, and showed their quality. What's your mentality like when they equalise at 1-1 and suddenly uh, it's just one goal away from extra time? Does that come into your head or do you just carry on with what you're doing? I think it's really important and I think we showed that in the first half that we stay cool and we stay in the game and that's, uh, that's what we did in the first half because we were under a lot of pressure and uh, that's what we did in the, in, in the second half as well. Also when they, when they scored the goal we said to each other, stay cool, stay in the game. That's what we did and in the end it was enough. Well, what made the difference for you today? Um, yeah, I think our mentality... Um, 
Uh, we have we have, we have uh, un uh, unbelievable team guys, um, and and I think we we deserved it and the, the the playoff against Brugge because um, we were in in the both games we were the better team. What's the difference for you? How, how do you feel the difference playing at this level um, here, you know, in the sold out uh, Linzer Google or playing in the Bundesliga? What, what feels different to you? Yeah, it's it's a higher tempo, it's higher intensity. You have no time to 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 take the ball three three or five touches. Um, yeah, that's the difference. Um, more tempo, more intensity. It's it's unbelievable. Um, it's so so difficult to play, but but um, with our mentality, with our team guys, we can we can reach everything. Do you train differently for that then, or do you prepare for the game in a different way, knowing that you won't get any time on the ball basically in the Champions League qualification? No, we change nothing. Um, we know that 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 that, that we, we have to take more power, more more intensity in these games, but we we don't change anything because um, we know uh, what we can, and and that's that's our biggest strength. How does it feel playing out here um, in a sold-out stadium? You know, I mean, often the the Raiffeisen Arena is also sold out, but here, you know, twice as many people, a completely different atmosphere. Uh, how does that feel for the for the eleven people out on the pitch? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, these fans pushed pushed us today to the to the to the playoff. Um, it's it's really unbelievable to, to play for for these fans, and, and yeah, they pushed us to to the to the, the to the win. And you mentioned uh, Bruges as well. They won a quite amazing game tonight with two very late goals to go through. Did you see them? They played in Austria, of course, last season as well. Are they a side that you know anything about? No, we, we don't know about Brugge because we, we, we look for Basel and that, that, that's, that, that's a big uh, opponent for us. And, and, and now we're look, looking forward to the playoff and we will, uh, we will see um, how it's possible. Honestly, does it make any difference to you knowing that whatever the result of the game tonight and whatever the result of the game against Bruges, you're going into the Europa League group stages, which is an amazing six huge games. Uh, does that change anything for these ties? Can you play without pressure because of that? Yeah, we have nothing to lose and, and that's our, our biggest uh, strength. And, and yeah, we will see what, what will happen. So those were the thoughts of James Holland and Peter Michel, uh, two absolutely key players for last, last season, and it looks like they will be this year as well. Let's just dissect the game then. Lask were the biggest outsiders in the third qualifying round of the Champions League, but they fully deserved this win. 5-2 in the end. Uh, you can't really say fairer than that. It, it wasn't a lucky break. You know, they, they won both legs. It was the ultimate example of teamwork. They're not individually on paper the best players compared to you know the other teams that are in this third qualifying round but the way they work together i mean they're used to working in this this consistent steady 343 system that they always employ and they're just everyone is so well rehearsed they all fight for each other it's a it's a true example of teamwork yeah the few players were outstanding as well although as you said, and as the players were very, very keen to point out, it's about teamwork, togetherness and mentality. Uh, the new coach hasn't seemed to have lost any of that uh, within the squad this season. But Gernot Trauner at the back, he's what a, a season. Yeah, he's had a couple of I great seasons rock, now. Yeah. And how is he not getting closer to the Austria setup? I mean, surely uh, Franco Foda was watching. There's a couple of players in that last team who they, they have to be in the next squad. Who else are you looking for? Uh, well, uh, t I've been saying about uh, Thomas Gugliginger all last season. Uh, the Gunnar Trauner deserves to be there as well. The thing about Linz is that the way they've continued from last season is it's, it's incredible because everyone thought that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't compete. 
And with this new manager, nothing's changed. They've arguably become like even more as a team, you know? Yeah, it's true. Even though they lost a few of their big big star players on last season. Yeah, that's exactly what James Holland mentioned there in the interview as well, talking about Joao Victor. And uh, it just gives a new chance. You know, if you, if you manage these things perfectly, when one of your big players leaves, it just gives a chance for other players. And, and they've been hungry, you know, like people like Samuel Tete being on the bench a lot last season. And they've got all this energy, this, this sort of, I don't know, this, this energy built up inside them from not playing too much last year. And they, they look like they've got a point to prove out there. And they're really getting the job done. Goiginger, yeah, good that you mentioned him. It's nice to see him getting on the score sheet last night. Uh, he's had a brilliant season last season, but a bit of a slow start to this year and, and not in the starting lineup a lot. Yeah, Frieza seems to have been preferred ahead of him in the league. But last night, he will have really staked his claim with a wonderful... It was a, a, a rasping finish into the top <laughs> corner. Um, I really liked him. I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching him the whole of last season as well. And I think that, like, like you guys have said, him and, and Trauner and perhaps a few others in that team are really pushing for a place. Franco Ferda won't be able to ignore them much longer. Yeah, his goal was the one that really killed the tie in the end, just as Basel uh, had equalised to Ademi. And then, you know, 10 minutes left, it looks like if Basel get one more goal, it's going to go to extra time and, and everything's going to change around massively. And then just as I thought Lask was starting to look a bit tired, they got this breakaway goal. Holland fed Goiginger and underrated finish as well from Goiginger, I thought. he's I've criticised his finishing a few times in the past, but this one, he just gets a little bit of room in the box. Uh, there's, the goalkeeper's still there in a good position. There's a defender there with him and he... He spots his mark in the top corner, leans back and finds it with a great finish. And uh, I think he knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah, he had a very good eye for goal, which he hasn't always demonstrated in his last career. Six wins as well out of six competitive matches under Valerian Ishmael. How long can it go on for? Yeah, can't say fairer than that. A quick word actually about Marco Raguz as well, who scored the third goal. Not somebody that we knew from last season. And he's got a few important goals to his name already this year. Yep. <laughs> That's all we can say about Marco Raguse. Yeah. Well, he got a very important goal last night that will write him in the history of Lask, so he'll be very happy this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move just for a sec to Bruges. They came through an incredible game of their own, a 3-3 draw against Dinamo Kiev, and they will end up being Lask's opponents next week. What are the what's the prognosis for Bruges that we did see them last year as well against we Salzburg did, yeah, in the Champions League and they got hammered by Salzburg it was four four one correct and then Europa League wasn't it oh yeah in the Europa in the, League yeah, yeah in the Europa League in, in the Europa, Europa League yeah. round of thirty two yeah it was um I think that they must have improved over the summer obviously that they signed uh, Simon Mignolet from Liverpool as the new new goalkeeper does that improve them I mean depends who you ask isn't it <laughs> but on paper they shouldn't frighten Lask I'm saying that I don't really have any 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 <laughs> knowledge about Club Rouge, but I watched them a few times last season and actually they were really impressive they're in a Champions League group with Atletico Madrid and Borussia Dortmund and they they kept Dortmund out in Dortmund and only narrowly lost at home to a last minute deflected goal by Christian Pulisic they're a really a really good side I would say they're they're they want to, again, a bit like Lask, you wouldn't necessarily rate them based on their name, but they work well together. They've got a young manager. Um, so there's potential that they could cause problems. Yeah, definitely. I think the one thing that you can say for Lask is that, in any case, whoever they were going to draw get drawn against uh, for the third qualifying round and for the playoff, if they were to get there, which they now have, um, it's almost irrelevant who they've got. They're massive outsiders against anyone, and, and Basel obviously underestimated them slightly. You've got to hope that Bruges will do that as well, just... You know, you don't necessarily mean to underestimate teams all the time, but they don't. People don't know anything about Lask. People don't know much about these players, and uh, what they come up against is more than the sum of its parts. So maybe, yeah, maybe Lask can sort of take this confidence from from the Basel game into this Bruges game. 
And the truth is, I feel like it almost doesn't really matter. Of course, it would be amazing for them to get to the Champions League, sort of 15 million euros or, and more. It would be, changes the club. Yeah, it would be club-changing figures there that we're talking about. But nonetheless, the Europa League is already a massive, massive bonus for them. Mm. And having that secured means they can just play kind of confident, self, self-confident self football and, and just go for it with this absolutely brilliant safety net that they've got behind them. So let's hope that they can do it again. But again, they will be massive outsiders against Bruges. Well, like it's important that the, well, the first legs at home, the home time might make or break the entire fixture. Obviously, the, the last round, they were had their home leg second. Would you prefer to have your home leg first or, or second? Second. Second, bit, yeah. It's a bit like going second in a penalty shootout. You get the chance to, to you know, bring it back home and That's it, true. put it in your own hands. And then, But then you do get the payoff that it's sort of the other way around, that you have to spend extra time, if it does come, with the possibility of the away goals only going against you and not for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah... I don't know, there was such a great atmosphere last night and there's this great emotion with Lask at the moment. They've started the season so well. Maybe just playing again in one week's time, back at the Linzerstadion, a few days after that great result. Maybe that's exactly what they need and and perhaps they can uh, really start the tie strongly in Linz next week. We shall see. We will be there. We will be reporting on that again for you. Let's move on to how Lask dealt with their league game, shall we? Just before that, you mentioned it briefly. They got the win. Another win. Um, it wasn't really particularly a notable game, though, was it? It wasn't pretty. Um, it wasn't anything, really. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, well, Lask had the lion's share of possession. They had the lion's share of shots. But obviously against Admira, who haven't won a game all season, they're pointless and Lask with a 100% record. It was just a professional 1-0 win. Uh, the goal came from, from Valentino Muller in the second minute of first half injury time. And uh, he, he's a new signing from Altac in the summer and this is his first goal for the club. So uh, g- fantastic for him. But uh, Valerian Ismail made a few changes. He rotated in view of Tuesday's game. And uh, well, with, with this victory, he's the first Lask coach in history to win uh, his first three Bundesliga games in charge. So Excellent. he's creating history every week at the moment. Three Bundesliga games, three wins and one yellow card, I believe, <laughs> for remonstrating during that game. Yeah, he's quite passionate on the touchline, mm-hmm. isn't he, Ishmael? Yeah, yeah he's... Uh, doesn't hide his emotions. It's certainly not passive. <laughs> yeah, some great celebrations after the second and third goals last night against yeah. Basel as well. Um, but we mentioned last week on the pod that this game, last going away to Admira, in many ways it's kind of the ideal Bundesliga matchup before a European tie. You know, they they were able to switch players around, and unfortunately Admira just not really uh, not really with it at the moment at the start of this campaign. No, they've got a few personnel um, worries as well now, especially Iwu got an ankle linkman injury injury during that game. And uh, you just can't. You feel for them a bit. They've lost so many of their strikers. Now their defence is uh, is getting a bit light as well. Perhaps the one good note: Erwin Hoffer came back, played his first game in Austria since uh, since leaving Rapid Vienna ten years ago. Yeah, what so. a career he had in the meantime as well. Yeah. He went to Napoli, he's played at Eintracht Frankfurt, Dusseldorf, Kaiserslautern, won the league title with Rapid as well. Mm. So they, they greeted him like a, a long-lost son when he came back. Yeah. Perhaps he'll be important for them. Uh, there was another uh, departure. Admira, of course, famous for producing good young talents. Um, there was another departure last week with um, Patrick Schmidt going off to Barnsley. So it hit me Admira. in the heart. They've got no one. Hit me in the heart. I, lo- I love Patrick Schmidt. That was that was a tough one to take. I really hope he's he's a success in uh, England. He uh, he was fantastic last season, and I mean, the more Austrian players who are successful in, in abroad, particularly in England, for us, 
being English, like uh, it would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We I, wish I, I him... hope. I hope he does well. Yeah, definitely. We all wish him very well. But unfortunately, that's sort of three three of Admira's best players from last year now who've gone away elsewhere to play abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on from Admira at the bottom of the table with no points. Lask continued their perfect run. They've got nine points. Uh, Salzburg are of course the other team who've ended up with nine points. They beat Wolfsburg at five two, but the scoreline didn't really tell the entire story of the game, did it? It wasn't a 5-2 game. Uh, in, in actual fact, 10 minutes on time, it could have easily have been 3-3 free free with uh, Sean Weissman's uh, uh, chance on goal cleared off the line by Andre Romalio. But, I mean, the fixture, it, it belonged to Erling Braut Haaland with his ha- uh, hat-trick. He was... He's a sensation, isn't he? He's a what a player. He's Which, a beast in the he's Bundesliga. He's a beast. He is a beast. What do you think he did with that match ball in the end? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, he took it home and, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a strange interview, if you didn't see it on TV, um, where, he, yeah, he was interviewed after the game with the match ball. Obviously, he's got his hat trick. And he said he was going to go home and make it his girlfriend. For the night. Which yeah. is, yeah, somewhat eyebrow raising. We have to just hope that maybe his <laughs> understanding of exactly what that sounded like uh, uh, isn't there. But who knows? It went a little bit viral on Twitter, didn't it? So. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he hit the post right at the start, made a made an impression early on in the game and ended up getting this, this hat-trick. But Wolfsburger always seem to cause a few problems for Red Bull, don't they? Yeah, they do. And uh, we're wearing Anderson Nyangbo, who's actually a part of the Red Bull system. He's on loan from Liefering. Uh, he, he scored to make it uh, 1-0 uh, after seven minutes. And, I mean... Yeah, it looked like Red Bull were in some sort of trouble at last. <laughs> they were the last team to to have beaten Red Bull in the league as well, so it did look it did look like a tricky tie. But but Salzburg have done it. That victory means that they will now pass the one thousand day mark unbeaten at home in the league, which is quite some record. Massive. And Wolfsburger, they've only got one win out of their first three games. But I feel like um, Gerhard Struber's got that team playing good football, and actually they could quite easily have six or seven points rather than just the three. Of course, they play with a really high intensity and they're really fun to watch. And it was only fortuitous events that really uh, kept them from maybe having a draw. So they'd be happy with that performance. Yeah, no, no panic stations there. Um, the sides that we've already mentioned, let's have a look at some of the games that they've got coming up in match day four. Red Bull Salzburg are playing away at St. Pölten. Three points. <laughs> Got to fancy them for that. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Wolfsburg uh, are at home to Mattersburg on Saturday as well. Well, if Mattersburg defend anything like as badly as they did against Austria Vienna, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, I'd say that Wolfsburg have a pretty good chance. That's true. And the other Saturday game also involves Lask and they're hosting VSG Tyrol. So probably another relatively, you know, they'll be quite happy that they don't have like a huge Bundesliga clash. I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to definitely win, but it's nice for them that they don't have to play maybe a Red Bull Salzburg or somebody uh, at the top of the table right now whilst they, they, we've got their mind elsewhere on Champions League qualification. Yeah, you've got to expect uh, a lot of wholesale changes there for Lask. And yeah, I mean, even their uh, substitutes coming in, obviously they beat Admira, Tirol are also a newly, oh, newly promoted side, so... Yeah, I think they'll get a win there. You mentioned Mattersburg's defending a second ago, Lee. Mm-hmm. Let's go straight over to their game. The Vienna clubs finally picked up some wins this weekend. Austria Vienna did it quite easily. They beat Mattersburg 5 1 in a pretty shambolic display from the home side. Yeah, and it reminded me, and Simon's probably not going to expect me to say this, but it reminds me of playing against Simon on Pro Evo. <laughs> <laughs> because. Basically, the Mattersburg defenders were just running to the ball every time, and if you could pass it around them quick enough, you were just straight in on goal. It's exactly what happens when I play against Simon on Pro Evo or FIFA. 
Doesn't happen on FIFA. I'm very solid on FIFA. Well, Parivo for sure. But anyway, Austria Vienna just uh, just seemed to carve carved them open. Um, Mornschein with a hat trick, his first ever in the in the Bundesliga. And yeah, I mean, it was a much needed win for Austria Vienna. They've had a dire start to the season, and perhaps that can kickstart their season with their second round, uh, second leg, sorry, of their Europa League qualifier coming up against Apollo and Limassol. Yes, we, that wasn't quite in time for the pod last week, but they did lose 2-1 at home to Apollo and Limassol, which seemed rather embarrassing, in, if we're being honest, in, uh, in contrast to the efforts of Lask, who'd just gone away to Basel and beaten them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you host Apollo in, in Vienna and, and basically get done. Um, I think Austria have got a nasty habit of making everyone look really good in both attack and defence. So what is going wrong there? You know, they really needed this win. Do, do you think they can turn it around against Apollon just to stay with the Europa League qualifier? I mean, I really hope so. Obviously, the more Austrian teams in Europe, the the better for the pod. And they would face probably PSV Eindhoven, which would be a, a, a glamour fixture coming to the Generali Arena. But um, I mean, it, it showed to me, like uh, on the highlights, it showed uh, the celebrations from the... Austria Vienna management team in the, in the stands at Mattersburg and they were celebrating quite intensely weren't they they were very very happy with the performance they oh, needed it they needed it they really needed it I, I think they were already under pressure Peter Storger and Christian Ilzer they're already under pressure and uh, Ilzer in his post-match interview he said that, uh, that, 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 that as we didn't fall into a depression when we were losing we won't fall into a euphoria either when we're winning which I think is quite a sensible take Balanced, yeah. Balanced. But, I mean, it was a a pretty emphatic victory. They'll be very, very happy with that. And, I mean, yeah, they, they found their shooting boots at last. <laughs> it was their biggest away win in the league since May 2017 as well. So, quite quite some time. Yeah, and if you look at the score sheet, there's just a couple of people I wanted to pick out. So, Monschein and Grunwald, two of Austria's best players. And, and even in Austria's struggles, those two have been players that have performed quite consistently and often are there to help Austria Vienna out of trouble or try their best to do so at least. So it was nice to see them uh, being the architects of this first three points for Austria. But the other scorer, uh, Dominic Fitz, was somebody that I really wanted to mention. He was with the Young Violets, uh, essentially the second team of Austria Vienna for most of last season, hardly got any Bundesliga minutes under his belt and he didn't get many minutes at the start of this season either. But this was his first 90 minutes of the season for the uh, 20-year-old attacking midfielder and I thought Fitz had a great game. You know, he, he did get on the score sheet, but he was a, a threat all afternoon as well. So it was nice to see him getting some rewards for his efforts too. Uh, a couple of great assists as well. His assist for the fifth goal particularly was a brilliant pass through through the Mattersburg defence for, for Montrain's hat-trick goal. He's put his name on the team sheet now, hasn't he? Yeah, maybe Austria have discovered somebody uh, somebody good in that one. Um, they've lost somebody as well, though, unfortunately, in that game. Michael Madl, their regular defender, regular centre-back, um, has suffered quite a nasty-looking knee injury. Um, he was just involved in a bit of a clash at a corner where uh, one of the Mattersburg players fell onto his knee just awkwardly. And, yeah, he went off on a stretcher. And, uh, yeah, it looks like it was a, a ligament injury in his knee. So we'd, you have to imagine that he'll be out for a while. Um, he's banned for the Limassol game anyway because he got a red card in the first leg. Um, Austria's nasty habit of getting red cards came back. But yeah, we wish him all the best and hope that he's back soon. It does give Austria another chance at the back, though, to introduce somebody new. And uh, they've got a link up now with Manchester City as of a few months ago. And um, Eric Palmer-Brown has been brought in from Manchester City, very young defender. And actually, Joe Gould or 12th Yank on Twitter, the uh, American football expert, well, American soccer expert, I should say. He's got a few words about uh, Eric Palmer-Brown for us. At one point in time, he was one of the most promising 
uh, young American players uh, that was coming up. He originally started with Sporting Kansas City and went through their academy and then he started playing for the first team there. Uh, and then he was signed by the Manchester City group and has been bouncing around Europe ever since. Uh, last year, he spent the season at Nock Breda in the Netherlands. In the beginning, he, he struggled to, to crack into the starting 11, but by the end of the season, he was a, he was a regular. Um, he's still really a, a really promising talent. We're keeping a close eye on him and hoping that um, he can kind of continue to uh, improve his play. He had had a bit of a disappointing season last year, only in the regard that Nock Breda were relegated from the Eredivisie. So even though he was a starter, um, just the, the team really struggled and um, they, they leaked a lot of goals. So not entirely sure what that says about Eric Palmer Brown, just because, you know, a lot of times he actually received quite high praise um, with his play. He's very good playing with his feet. He's very good in the air. I think his probably his biggest weakness is just um, reading the game, but uh, but he's definitely shown signs of improvement. And I think a year in the Netherlands was was huge for him last year. So I'm hoping that for for Austria Vienna, uh, which as you know is my team, um, will will do him um, a, a world of good as well. I think there's a lot that he can learn on um, being being there. And, and participating in the Bundesliga. Um, so definitely excited about that move. Um, we'll be following him closely and uh, hoping that he can crack into that lineup um, here pretty pretty quickly, um, especially given the start that uh, Austria Vienna's had so far this season. Um, I'm hoping that it won't be too difficult and that the coach will see uh, the, the potential in him and that he can come in and start making a difference and shore up that back line. Thanks very much for that, Joe. Really nice to hear a bit about this new young American talent coming into the Bundesliga. And from one Vienna club getting their first three points on the board to another, Rapid Vienna beat Altac 2-1. We were there. It was quite an extraordinary game and 2-1 doesn't really tell much of the story of it, does it? No, it's one of those games where if you look at the the uh, statistics for shots and, and, and the scoreline, you would have thought Rapid were, were the, the, the more dominant team. But after the first 15 minutes, it was all Altac, really. Altac had all the possession. They had uh, the, the lion's share of the chances and they really should have come out with at least a draw. And uh, you could tell how the players reacted at the end. They had their head in their hands. Like they couldn't believe that they they'd lost the game. And to be fair, I couldn't believe they'd lost the game either because they were they were fantastic. They missed chance after That's chance, didn't they? Yeah, Gebauer, Fischer, Berisha, all of them. Some great saves from Richard Strebinger. It was an onslaught of the rapid goal, and Strebinger he had to be on top form because otherwise, yeah, Altak could have won it just in the last five minutes alone. You know? Yeah, injury time was uh, was quite something to behold. Let's just hear what the man himself, the rapid goalkeeper, Richard Strebinger, had to say after that game. What a fantastic performance by yourself personally today. Uh, how do you feel after a result like that? Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I just tried to, to help my team in yeah, the important situations, situations for me and very happy today that I can make some saves, uh, but it's it's very important that we made um, the first three points today, um, that we can work now very hard to to go with a concentrate performance um, in Graz next week. It's an important three points, like you say, you've kind of got the campaign started now with a win. Uh, you said that you made a few saves, you know, you made a lot of saves out there this afternoon, that was a, a really sort of a personal performance from you. Um, 
obviously in an ideal situation you wouldn't have to make quite so many saves after you've gone 2-0 up. What sort of changed in the game uh, after Rapid took the lead? Yeah, thanks. Um, so I just said it. I'm very happy that I can help the team, but um, we have to look on our performance. I think first half it, it was really okay. It was really good. Um, um, from the change from defense to offense, it was very good from us, and so we make the two goals. But second half we we don't be so so good at the ball, so it makes very easy mistakes, and um, this is not what we what we want to see from us. But um, we are happy that we have the three points. So this is the most important thing in, in, in football. This is the most important thing for today. And um, so I'm very happy about this. You missed the last game through injury. It's great to see you coming back into the squad and having such a good day. Did it give you a bit of extra determination? What does it feel like as a professional to, to miss out on a game through injury? And you, know, you have to sit there and watch and then you get your chance again the next week. How does that change how you play? It's, it's a really bad feeling um, that, you, that you know that you can't help the team. But I'm happy that it, it was just a, not such a, such a difficult injury, so I can play two, two weeks later. So I'm very happy that I, I'm on the pitch again. A very, very important win for Rapid, nonetheless. They held on, despite doing something which we've criticised them for a lot over the last year and a half, which is going ahead, playing with high intensity. You know, they're 2-0 up after 11 minutes, and then just somehow... You know, your mind is thinking, oh, could they run away with this 4 5 nil? Mm. They never do that. They never run away with it 4 5 nil. They always find a way of letting the opposition back into the game. And I think you could tell from watching Dietmar Kubauer in his post match interview that he found that immensely frustrating as well because they did just sit back and invite Altac onto them. And you can't do that for 75 minutes of a match against any team. And it also doesn't really set the right tone when you're, you know, your country's record champions. Um, one of the biggest clubs in the country. You can't just invite teams onto that. Their fans want to see them win and win in style, and that's why they are all booing at the full-time whistle, which is something that I, you know, was quite surprised, taken aback with, because you know their teams just won, but it's the manner of the fact they were hanging on rather than than anything else that I think prompted that. Yeah, you don't want to see that after you know having a commanding lead so early on, and then to have your goalkeeper then undoubtedly become the man of the match. You know, streaming it. Uh, had some some really brilliant saves throughout that game. He thwarted Berisha on on so many occasions, including one from a big free kick. And, and like you said, in injury time alone, there were there were tons of uh, bodies on the line, sort of challenges as well. Yes, and I think now is about the time, having seen that performance, that we start to really assess Dietmar Kubauer's tenure so far. Because I had a look at some of the stats in the Bundesliga since he's been the Rapid boss. He's got a win percentage of forty eight point three, so he's won fourteen of his twenty nine games. Is that good or is that not? For the manager of the biggest club in the country, surely you would be expecting to win over half your games. Bearing in mind that a lot of those were spent inside the bottom six playoff last season as well, where exactly. you hoped that they would win almost all of those games. They'd be the favourites in every single one of those ties. Yeah, against theoretically easier opposition. Um, it, I don't know, really. I, I feel like the statistics, plus the fact that Rapid just... Their performances never seem to win me over when I watch them. I want, I want to be won over, but I'm just not. And I don't know, I feel like I feel like if there was going to be any change under Kubauer, it would have happened by now. Perhaps Kitagawa can inject some, some momentum into their season, but I'm not overly hopeful. It says something when, apart from Richard Strebinger, uh, Taxi Funtas is maybe one of the only players who can come up with some sort of credit. And uh, he scored twice, and in his post-match interview, he said that he, didn't, he wasn't happy with himself. He thought he could have, he could have done more in the game. Scoring two goals and then feeling like, ah, oh, let the team down. It's a little bit interesting, isn't it? For Alberg's most famous football journalist, surely 
Maximilian Werner, he was there with us too. So these were his thoughts on the game Rapid 2 Altac 1. Uh, Maxi, can you just sum up that game for us? You know, you're the biggest Altac fan that we know, and that must have been quite painful for you to, to sit and watch as your team just couldn't get a goal in the second half. First, I have to say that I'm no fan. I'm a serious journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a serious journalist for uh, for Alberg newspaper, so I'm no fan of Altac. A neutral, yeah, a pure I mean, a neutral. Nu- a neutral journalist. But surely I can say that um, I'm a little bit depressed about the chances that we had in the second half, especially in the last 10 minutes. Um, Alter should have should have scored five six goals I think. The, the result could be five two for Alter. So um, I think the whole club is a little bit depressed about the chances in this in this match. It's going to feel like a long journey home after that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm able to sleep in the night chat, so <laughs> it will work out. Well, really nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Let's move on from those first three points for Rapid to Hartberg. In a Styrian derby, they played against Sturm Graz. And just like they managed last season, Hartberg upset the odds and won a game. Yeah, and it was it was a pretty even affair, I think. There were some chances at both ends. Not too many, but it was, it was fairly balanced. Um, and it wasn't until they won a penalty where the Sturm Graz right-back, Sakic, hauled down Rakovic in the, in the box that... that that the first real opportunity to score came came along. You say he hauled him down. I didn't think there was much contact there. It was no, quite. Me a, it was a contentious penalty decision. They were sort of running alongside each other. They both went down, and the penalty was given. I felt the looking on the uh, close-up replays that he had caught him with his leg. So I thought that it probably was a penalty. Fair dues from Lee. What did you think, Sai? I I thought it was a penalty. Uh, but it was, it's, there's so many penalties in this league that are like he, he, from a, one angle it looks like a penalty from another it doesn't you know yeah. and yeah I wasn't sure either but no. yeah you've got to be a bit careful not to make clumsy clumsy runs like that either way um, it didn't matter because it was what undid Sturm and uh, that gave Hartberg a vital win in front of their home crowd they move on to six points who saw that coming a few weeks ago a third in the league yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crisis club Hartberg yeah. third in the league and they ended Sturm's 100% record as well So it's the first time they've won back-to-back Bundesliga games since November as well not bad impressive and they didn't end though uh, Sturm at least didn't end El Maestro's record because they didn't go 1-0 up his uh, his incredible stat of always winning when he goes 1-0 <laughs> up was not tarnished by this game and they didn't end his record of uh, fantastic quotes because he was say, uh, he said post-match that it was a terrible game of football <laughs> Okay, he says what he thinks, doesn't he? So <laughs> he sure does. On that note, let's move on to another game. You mentioned a lot of penalties happening in the Bundesliga, and there were a couple in this game as well. VSK Tirol drew one-one against Sankt Pölten. This was a penalty that I didn't think was a penalty. So Luan on Dedic in the about five minutes into this game gave the home side a penalty, and I thought that was it was a bit harsh to be honest. I felt that Dedic made the most of it. Lee, why are you talking about a penalty? There was an overhead bicycle kick. They hit the bar and went in in this game. <laughs> but have you that not was heard later. Of, have you not heard of chronology, Simon? <laughs> it was the, one of the best goals of the season so far. It was and it equalised for St. Poulton. Just what a great goal! I love I love a goal that. Uh, well, I love a, a bicycle kick goal. I love a goal that hits the crossbar and then just crosses the line as well. And it was two and one, you know. There's no doubt about it. But as Lee mentions, chronology is sometimes <laughs> important in football. There was another penalty before that, which Stank Pogan missed. Was, yeah. They then hit the bar in the second half, uh, but the ball came just out of the goal. But then the next time they hit the bar, it was Ambichil's overhead kick and uh, and it had the fortune of going in and it deserved it as well. It had to be something special because this first Tyrol goalkeeper, uh, Ferdinand Oswald, which is a brilliant name. He was uh, fantastic all game as well. 
yeah, it had to be something special, and and Beagle produced it. <laughs> yeah, brilliant goal. Uh, point a piece there. You feel like Tyrol will be happy to just continue picking up a couple of points. You know, picking up a, another point. My question is, will they though? Because in their next five league fixtures, they have Rapid, Sturm, Salzburg, and Lask, and the other one is Mattersburg. So I feel that then they might have they might have a bit of a, a problem just you know trudging along and picking up a point here and there in those fixtures. Yeah, true. I always look ahead at uh, fixture runs like that and you think, oh, that'll be no points for them then in the next five games. But that never happens. No, never. And usually whenever you think, oh, that's nailed on, they definitely won't get any points out of those. They end up with, you know, that the team that you're talking about ends up getting loads of points. So I wonder which of those sides are they going to upset? We'll revisit the topic in four weeks. We will, yeah. And my question for me is, when is St. Poulton going to win again? Because they haven't won in 12 games now which is a pretty awful record. And that's going back to last season where they're in, in the top six and they were just absolutely dreadful, weren't they? And uh, yeah, the win this streak continues. They haven't won a home game since December. <sighs> terrible. Pretty that's bad. a terrible record. Well, let's talk about who they've got coming up. Um, as we briefly mentioned earlier, St. Poulton, is their, is their home win or their long run without a win going to end against Red Bull Salzburg on the weekend? In a word. No. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably not. Um, Tyrol, we've said they're going away to Lask. Who knows what's going to happen there? The first of a tough run of fixtures for Tyrol. On Sunday as well, you've got Altac against Hartberg. That could be an interesting one. I feel like Altac have not quite been rewarded in terms of points for some pretty okay performances this season. Altac tend to do quite well against Hartberg. I think they beat them 6-1 last season, yeah. um, among other good results. They're going to bring Hartberg crashing down to earth then in Vorarlberg. Who knows, who knows. And some other tasty ties on Sunday. Graz against Rapid. That should be a good one. We'd, we'll, we'll be there in Graz for that one. Yeah, and we know if Sturm and Graz go one nil ahead, they're going to win the game. So, so <laughs> Rapid have got to make sure Sturm don't score. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Sturm will be really annoyed actually to lose that game against Hartberg because they looked so good at the start of the season. You think, oh, finally, are they going to make a good go of this? Are they going to have a good challenge? And you simply can't afford to be dropping points against the likes of Hartberg with a one nil defeat. You can say that about, about Rapid and Austria as well, can you? There's so many teams in this league that it's like they should be doing much more. Yeah, that's very true. And the league spread out already. We've got Austria versus Admira, the other game that we haven't talked about yet on Sunday. Any thoughts on that one? Austria going to be the favourites. They probably should win. The return of Stefan Zvierschitz. Yeah. Against his old club. Yeah. Going for going home win in that one then? Yeah, for sure. I think so. Admira yeah. to stay on zero points. Uh, just thinking about that, the league already, a little, a good little indicator of where the Austrian Bundesliga is right now is that after just three match days, 10 sides of the 12 have won a game and 10 sides of the 12 have lost a game. So that already shows there's, there's quite a lot of this midfield battle where anyone can beat anyone. Only Lask and Red Bull have won all of their games and only Admira and St. Pilton have not won a game yet. I feel like we could be saying that same statistic in like six weeks as well. <laughs> yeah. But it's just sort of surprising in a way to see that, you know, nobody's got seven points. Every, everyone's basically suffered a defeat already except those top two. Yeah, just an illustrator of how spread out the league is. And as you say, probably that we'll see that run continue. I wonder if somebody like Sturmgratz can sort of rise above that this season and push themselves up into sort of a more clear second or third place. Uh, the question for me is when, when Lask are in the Europa League group stage or Champions League group stage, how will it affect their league form? Because mm. with Salzburg, I don't think it will because they've got so much uh, depth in the squad. But Lask don't really have that. Um, will they Will they drop? I mean, we've seen it in England plenty of times when the teams in the Europa League, they tend to get way less points the following season. Yeah, are they ready for that? Yeah, are they ready? Time will tell. Let's move on to the Cup. 
there's some brilliant cup ties that were drawn. The, the draw for round two came out recently. And uh, yeah, it threw up some, some excellent ties. Probably more than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, although in a way, I felt that the fact we've got a repeat of last season's final so early in the competition is a bit of a... It's a bit of a downer, really. I would, I would have liked to have ideally seen that tie later in the tournament, but Rapid will be hosting Red Bull Salzburg in Vienna on the 25th of September. So that's definitely one to look forward to. And I know you were quite excited by the Wolfsburg derby, weren't you? The Wolfsburg derby between uh, a team... Well, there are two Wolfsburg teams, one in the Bundesliga and one in the fourth division. And the team from the fourth division is hosting the team from the Bundesliga. And it's a small village, about 25,000 people live in Wolfsburg. So this is this is cool. Surely they'll all be there. The, the whole of yeah, Wolfsburg the whole, will be there for the game. <laughs> it's amazing. This, this It's what the cup should be. And also another great fixture. I love it when an underdog's at home against a big club. And Wiener Victoria, who uh, won the uh, Wiener Liga last season, and now they're in the regional league at the third division they are drawn at home to Las Glintz yeah after beating Bundesliga side Hartberg Hartberg. in the first round Tony Polster's boys yeah Tony Polster's boys Tony Cushion I think you'll find Tony Cushion yeah I I can't wait to go to that one to be honest that's a good uh, hope it's on the Tuesday it hasn't been announced when it is yet so fingers crossed it's on Tuesday okay yeah, looking forward to welcoming Lask to Vienna with that one. That'll be a very good tie. And I believe uh, Austria Vienna are away to VSG to roll in the cup as well, which I think that didn't they lose that fixture on the opening day of the season three and did indeed. So that'll be interesting as well. A couple of transfers, bit yeah, of transfer news bit to of transfer talk about. News, yeah. Um, well, just two transfers that caught my eye this week. One that's officially gone through and one that hasn't. The return of Maximilian Verber to Austria after two years abroad. So the 21-year-old defender spent some time at Ajax and some time at Sevilla. He actually did fairly well. He played quite a lot of games. But he got a muscle injury in April and couldn't really find his way back into the Sevilla team. Since then, he's returned to uh, Austria with Salzburg, obviously a former Rapid player. Um, and he uh, he's, he becomes now, I think, the sixth former Rapid Vienna player to don the red and white of Salzburg. Yeah, and I think originally, just a couple of years ago, he was the most expensive Austrian export when uh, Ajax bought him from Rapid for about 8 million euros. Austrian, Austrian yeah, uh, as probably, in Austrian, yeah. Austrian he's citizen. Yeah. He's certainly the most expensive import now, 12 million, that's a record transfer. And perhaps going into the Champions League, it's the kind of signing you might expect them to make. They pay 12 million for him. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. But it's an interesting signing because uh, for me, I would say that Andre Romaglio and Jerome Ongueni are a fantastic partnership and do Red Bull need another centre-back? I am actually not that convinced by Ongueni. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, f- I feel like he's a bit bit suspect. I'm I'm not one over. Yeah, we'll see. They say, you know, Verba maybe is, is more at home in a 3-5-2 as well. So maybe Salzburg looking for some options, exactly as we've talked about with... You know, busy schedule coming up. Maybe it's just simply strength in depth, and uh, yeah, another Austrian for this, back in the Bundesliga. That's quite nice to see. We always complain when all the best Austrians go mm-hmm. away. So, although I'm slightly disappointed to see one of Rapid's best players end up at Salzburg, yeah, it's uh, nice to have an Austrian back. And the the transfer that hasn't officially gone through yet, but is heavily being reported in the media, is Samaseku, who is supposedly heading towards Hoffenheim who are looking for a replacement for Kerem Demirbay, who they sold to Bayer Leverkusen. The fee is supposed to be €14 million, Euro, which so I think... super cheap. Yeah, I think for a player of his quality, they will have got themselves a bargain there, if that is the fee. If that's the fee, I don't understand why why some Premier League teams weren't sniffing around as well. Because I really think he's young, he's one of the best young defensive midfielders outside of Europe's top five leagues, you know, and if, he, if he's available for €14 million, however, I think there's probably a massive uh, sell-on fee. 
in that clause because mm. otherwise, I mean, he's he was linked with Dortmund for twenty million, mm. a matter of a, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, potentially something doesn't quite add up, does it? That's no. almost a second division transfer fee in England. Yeah. That's a shame to see him go if it does all go through and get finalised as we expect it to. Mm-hmm. Kevin Danso, slightly interesting one. Didn't leave the Austrian Bundesliga, but an Austrian international nonetheless. Just he just yeah. sprung to my mind. He went to Southampton. Yeah, and I found out he's half English as well, which surprised me. I never <laughs> knew because uh, I watched his interview with uh, Southampton and I was like, wow, he has a really English accent. And I looked, oh wait, he was born in England. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and he moved away <laughs> oh, no, at no, young sorry, age. He, but... he was born in Austria and then he moved to England when he was very young. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> interesting. Any other news from the world of football this week? Well, just uh, to go back to the Champions League qualifiers, we should probably mention there were some surprise results last night. Ajax just sneaked through against Park, 5-4 aggregate victory. And Porto, which really shocked me, lost at home to Krasnodar and tumbled out as well on away goals, I believe. So, yeah, some surprising results there. Yeah, definitely some some great ties. Yeah, Cluj beating Celtic as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of high-scoring games. <laughs> yeah. Pretty exciting night in the Champions League. I'm just glad Lask were there to play a part in it and be on the positive side as well. I'll keep a smile on our faces for a while anyway, at least until the next episode. Yes, indeed. I just hope that Austria-Vienna win tonight. I, I don't think they will. <laughs> I can't see it happening. But They're not playing I mean, tonight, are they? They're playing tomorrow night, correct. Yes. <laughs> not that it matters anyway, because this is a podcast and yes, exactly. people so are going to be listening to Thursday. it. Thursday. Yeah. You listen to this when you want to listen to it. So by the time that game has happened, you'll you'll know what happened and we'll look like idiots. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And hopefully Austria-Vienna won't look like idiots. Well, I mean... But they might. <laughs> they might. <laughs> it's, it's, it's heavily, uh, yeah. All right, then. Let's, let's wrap it up there, shall we? Yep. Sure, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week with a lot more action from Europe and from the Bundesliga as well. We look forward to having you there with us. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, tweet us at Other Bundesliga and let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. All music on the Other Bundesliga appears courtesy of Gabriel Geber at Tongeber Studios. For something completely different, why not check out The Amelia Project, an audio fiction podcast co-produced in Vienna. <laughs>